Section 34 of The Book of A Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Siddharth. The Book of A Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 6, by Anonymous. Translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section 34. When it was the six hundred and twenty-ninth night, she continued, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Kharib saw his brother in the clutches of the gul, he cried out, saying, O, oh, the favour of Ibrahim, the friend, the blessed one, whom Allah keep and assign, and crave his charger at Sa'adan shaking his mace till the rings loud rang then he cried out again god is most great and smote the ghul on the flat of the ribs with his mace whereupon he fell to the ground insensible and loosed his grip on sahim nor did he come to himself ere he was pinioned and shackled when his son saw this he turned and fled but Gharib drove steed after him, and smiting him with his mace between the shoulders, threw him from his horse. So they bound him with his father and brethren, and haltering them with ropes, hailed them all six along like baggage camels, till they reached the Gul's castle, which they found full of goods and treasures and things of price. And there they also came upon twelve hundred Ajamis, men of Persia, bound and shackled, Kharib sat down on Sa'adan's chair, which had aforetime belonged to Shasa, bin Shais, bin Shaddad, bin Ad, causing Sahim to stand on his right and his companions on his either hand, and sending for the gul of the mountain, said to him, How findest thou thyself, O accursed? replied Sadan, O my lord, in the sorriest of plights of abasement and mortification, my sons and I, we are bound with ropes like camels. Quoth Garib, It is my will, you enter my faith, the faith al-Islam, highs and acknowledge the unity of all knowledge of the all-knowing King, whose all might created light and night and everything. There is no God but He, the requiting King, and confess the mission and prophethood of Abraham, the friend, on whom be peace. So the Gul and his sons made the required profession after the goodliest fashion, and Gharib bade loose their bonds, whereupon Sa'adan wept and would have kissed his feet, he and his sons, but Gharib forbade them, and they stood with the rest who stood before him, then said Kharib, Harkye Saadan, and he replied, At thy service, O my lord, quoth Kharib, What are these captives? O my lord, quoth the Gul, These are my game from the land of the Persians, and are not the only ones. Asked Kharib, And who is with them? And Saadan answered, O my lord, there is with them the princess, Fakr Taj, daughter of King 
Sabur of Persia, and a hundred damsels like moons. When Garib heard this, he marveled and said, O Emir, how came ye by these? Replied Sa'adan, I went forth one night with my sons and five of my slaves in quest of booty, but finding no spoil in our way, we dispersed over wilds and birds and fared on, hoping we might happen on somewhat of prey and not written empty-handed, till we found ourselves in the land of Persians. Presently we espied a dust cloud and sent on to reconnoitre one of our slaves, who was absent a while and presently returned and said, O oh my lord, this is the princess Fakartaj, daughter of Sabur, king of Persians, Turkomans and Medes, and she is on a journey attended by two thousand horse. Kyoth I, thou hast gladdened us with good news. We could have no finer loot than this. Then I and my sons fell upon the Persians and slew of them three hundred men and took the princess and twelve hundred cavaliers prisoners together with all that was with her of treasure and riches, and brought them to this our castle. Quoth Karib, Hast thou offered any violence to the princess Fakartaj? Quoth Sadan, Not I, as thy head liveth, and by the virtue of the faith I have, but now embraced. Karib replied, It was well done of thee, O Sa'adan. For her father is a king of the world, and doubtless he will dispatch troops in quest of her and lay waste the dwellings of those who took her. And whoso looketh not to issue, an end hath not fate to friend. But where is the damsel? said Sa'adan. I have set apart a pavilion for her and her damsels, said Kharib. Show me her lodging, where to Sa'adan rejoined. Hearkening and obedience, so he carried him to the pavilion, and there he found the princess, wound full and cast down, weeping for her former condition of dignity and delight. When Gharib saw her, he thought the moon was near him, and magnified Allah, and all hearing, the all-seeing. The princess also looked at him and saw him, a princely cavalier, with velour shining from between his eyes, and testifying for him, and not against him. So she rose and kissed his hands, then fell at his feet, saying, O hero of the age, I am under thy protection. Guard me from this gull, for I fear lest he do away with my maidenhead, and after devour me. So take me to serve thine handmaidens. Quoth Garib, Thou art safe, and thou shalt be restored to thy father and the seat of thy worship. Whereupon she prayed that he might live long and have advancement in rank and honor. Then he bade unbind the Persians and turning to the princess said to her, What brought, what brought thee forth of thy palace to the wilds and wastes? so that the highway robbers made prize of thee. She replied, O my lord, my father, and all the people of his realm, Turks and Dalamites, are Magians, worshipping fire, and not the all-powerful king. Now in our country, 
is a monastery called the Monastery of the Fire, where every year the daughters of the Medians and worshippers of the fire resort at the time of their festivals and abide there a month, after which they return to their houses. So I and my damsel set out, as wont, attended by two thousand horse, whom my father sent with me to guard me. But, by the way, the skull came out against us and slew some of us, taking the rest captive, imprisoned us in this hold. This, then, is what befell me, O valiant champion, whom Allah guard against the shifts of time. And Gharib said, Fear not, for I will bring thee to thy palace, and the seat of thy honours. Wherefore she blessed him, and kissed his hands and feet. Then he went out from her, after having commanded to treat her with respect, and slept till morning. Then he made the wuzu ablution, and prayed a two-bow prayer, after the rite of our father Abraham, the friend, on whom be peace, whilst Nikul and his sons, in Kharib's company, all did the like after him. Then he turned to the gul, and said to him, O Sa'adan, wilt thou not show me the Vedi of Blossoms? I will, O my lord, said he. So Kharib and his company and the princess Fakartaj and her maidens all rose and went forth, while Sa'adan commanded his slaves and slave girls to slaughter and cook and make ready the morning meal and bring it to them among the trees. For the giant had a hundred and fifty handmaids and a thousand chattels to pasture his camels and oxen and sheep. When they came to the valley, they found it beautiful, exceedingly and passing all degree, and the birds on the tree sang joyously, and the mocking nightingale thrilled out her melody, and the Qushat filled her moan, the mansions made by the deity. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the six hundred and thirtieth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Gharib and his merry men and the giant and his tribe reached the Vedi of Blossoms, they found birds flying free, the Qushat filling with her moan, the mansions made by the deity, the Bulbul singing as if it were human harmony, and the mule whom to describe tongue faileth utterly, the turtle whose playing maidens, whose plaining maddens men for love ecstasy, and the ring dove, and the popinjay answering her with fluency. There also were trees laden with all manner of fruitary, of each two kinds, the pomegranate, sweet and sore upon branches, growing luxuriantly the almond apricot, the camphor apricot, and the almond Khorasan heis, the plum, with whose branches the boughs of the myrobalan were entwined tight, the orange, as it were, a cresses flaming tight, the shadow weighed down with heavy fright, the lemon that cures lack of appetite, the criton against jaundice of sovereign might, and the date, red and yellow bright, the especial handiwork of Allah, the Most High, of the like of this place, saith the enamoured poet. When its birds in the lake make melody, 
the lawn lover yearneth its sight to see. Tis as Eden, breathing a fragrant breeze, with its shade and fruits and rills flowing free. Kharib marvelled at the beauty of that vedi and bade them set up there the pavilion of Fakrtaj, the Khosrite. So they pitched it among the trees and spread it with richer tapestries. Then he sat down and the slaves brought food and they ate sufficiently, after which quoth Karib, Harkye, Saadan, and quoth he, At thy service, O my lord, hast thou aught of wine? asked Karib, and Saadan answered, Yes, I have a cistern full of old wine, said Karib, Bring us some of it. So Saadan sent ten slaves who written with great plenty of wine, and they ate and drank, and were mirthful and merry, and Garib bethought him of Mahdiya and improvised these couplets. My mind are union days when ye were nigh, and flames my heart with love's consuming glove. By Allah, ne'er of will I quitted you, but shifts of time from you compelled me go. Peace and fair luck and greetings thousandfold to you from exiled lovers pining woe. They bore eating and drinking and taking their pleasure in the valley for three days, after which they returned to the castle. Then Garib called Sahim and said to him, Take a hundred horse and go to thy father and mother and thy tribe, the Banu Kahtan, and bring them all to this place, here to pass the rest of their days, whilst I carry the princess of Persia back to her father. As for thee, O Sa'adan, Tarry thou here with thy sons, till I return to thee. Asked Sadan, and why wilt thou not carry me with thee to the land of the Persians? And Garib answered, Because thou stolest away King Sabu's daughter, and if his eye fall on thee, he will eat thy flesh and drink thy blood. When the gul heard this, he laughed a loud laugh, as it were the pealing thunder, and said, O my lord! By the life of thy head, if the Persians and Medes united against me, I would make them quaff the cup of annihilation. Quoth Garib, Tis as thou sayest, but tarry thou here in fort till I return to thee. And quoth the Ghul, I hear and I obey. Then Sahim departed with his comrades of the Banu Katan for the dwelling places of their tribe, and Garib set out with princess Fakartaj and her company intending for the cities of Sabur, king of the Persians. Thus far concerning them, but as regards King Sabur, he abode awaiting his daughter's return from the monastery of the fire. And when the, and when the appointed time passed by and she came not, flames raised in his heart whereof the oldest, wisest, and chiefest was Heis Daiden. And so he said to him, O minister, verily my daughter delayed her return, and I have no news of her, though the appointed times is past. So do thou send a courier to the monastery of fire, to learn what is come of her, hearkening and obedience, replied Daiden and summoning the chief of the couriers, said to him, When thou forthright to the monastery. So he lost no time, and when he reached it, 
he asked the monks of the king's daughter, but they said, We have not seen her this year. So the courier returned to the city of Isbanir and told the wazir, who went in to the king and acquainted him with the message. Now when Sabur heard this, he cast his crown on the ground, tore his beard, and fell down in a trance. They sprinkled water upon him, and presently he came to himself, tearful-eyed and heavy-hearted, and repeated the words of the poet. When I far parted, patience call, and tears, tears came to call, but patience never hears. What then, if fortune parted us so far, fortune and perfidy are peers? Then he called ten of his captains, and bade them mount with a thousand horse, and ride in different directions in quest of his daughter. So they mounted forthright and parted each with his thousand, whilst Fakrathad's mother clad herself and her woman in black, and stood ashes on her head, and sat weeping and lamenting. Such was their case, and Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the six hundred and thirty-first night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that King Sabur sent his troops in quest of his daughter, whose mother clad herself and her woman in black. Such was their case, but as regards the strange adventures of Garib and the princess, they journeyed on ten days, and on the eleventh day appeared a dust cloud which rose to the confines of the sky, whereupon Karib called the emir of the Persians and said to him, Go learn the cause thereof. I hear and obey, replied he, and crave his charger, till he came under the cloud of dust, where he saw folk and inquired of them, quoth one of them, We are of the Banu Hattal, and are questing for plunder. Our emir is Samson bin al-Jirah, and we are five thousand horse. The Persians returned in haste and told their saying to Gharib, who cried out to his men of the Banu Khatan and to the Persians, saying, Dawn your arms. They did as he bade them, and presently up came the Arabs, who were shouting, A plunder, a plunder, quoth Gharib, Allah confound you, O dogs of Arabs. Then he loosened his horse and drove at them with the career of a right valiant knight, shouting, Allahu Akbar, ho, for the faith of Abraham, the friend on whom be peace. And there we fell between them great fight and sword fray, and the sword went round in a sway, and there was much said and say, nor did they leave fighting till fled the day and gloom came when they drew from one another way. Then Garib numbered his tribesmen and found that five of the Banu Khatan had fallen and three and seventy of the Persians, but of the Banu Hatal they had slain more than five hundred horse. As for Samson, he alighted and sought nor meat nor sleep, but said, In all my life I never saw such a fighter as this youth Anon he fighteth with the sword, and anon with the mace. But tomorrow I will go forth on champion wise and defy him to combat, of twain in the battle plain, where edge and point are fain, and I will cut off these Arabs. 
Now when Gharib returned to his camp, the princess Fakhtaj met him, weeping and affrighted, for the fear of that which had befallen, and kissed his foot, in the stead of saying, "May thy hands never wither, nor thy foes be blitter, O champion of the age!" Alhamdulillah, praise to God, who hath saved thee alive this day. Verily, I am in fear for thee from yonder Arabs. When Gharib heard this, he smiled in her face and heartened, and comforted her, saying, "Fear not, O princess. Did the enemy fill this wild and bold? Yet I would scatter them by the might of Allah Almighty." She thanked him and prayed that he might be given the victory over his foes. After which she returned to her woman, and Gharib went to his tent, where he cleansed himself of the blood of the infidels, and they lay on guard through the night. Next morning, the two hosts mounted and sought the plain, where cut and thrust ruled sovereign. The first to pick into the open was Gharib, who craved his charger. Till he was near the infidels and cried out, "Who is for jousting with me? Let no sluggard or weakling come out to me." Whereupon there rushed forth a giant, a Malachite, of the lineage of the tribe of Ad, armed with an iron fail twenty pounds in weight, and and drove at Gharib, saying, "O scum of the Arabs, take what cometh to thee." And learned the glad tidings that thy last hour is at hand. So saying, he aimed a blow at Gharib, but he avoided it, and the fail sank a cubit into the ground. Now the Badawi was bent double with the blow, so Gharib smote him with his mace and clove his forehead in sunder, and he fell down dead. And Allah hurried his soul to hellfire. Then Gharib charged and wheeled. And called for champions, so there came out to him a second and third, and a fourth, and so on, till ten had come forth to him, and he slew them all. When the infidels saw his form of fight and his smashing blows, they hung back and forbore to far forth to him. Whereupon Samson looked at them and said, "Allah never bless you. I will go forth to him." So he donned his battle gear, and driving his charger into midfield, where he fronted the foe, and cried out to Gharib, saying, "Fie on thee, O dog of the Arabs! Hath thy strength waxed so great that thou shouldst defy me in the open field and slaughter my men?" And Gharib replied, "Up and take blood revenge for the slaughter of thy braves." So Samson ran at Gharib, who awaited him. With broad and pressed and heartened, and they smote each other with maces till the two hosts marvelled, and every eye was fixed on them. Then they wheeled about in the field and struck at each other two strokes, but Gharib avoided Samson's stroke, which we had broke and dealt with a buffet that beat in his breastbone and cast him to the ground, stone dead. Whereupon all his host ran at Gharib as one man. And he ran at them, crying, "God is most great! Help and victory for us, and shame and defeat for those who misbelieve the faith of Abraham, the friend, on whom be peace." And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section thirty-four.